You're listening to Fire and Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 20, published on January 17th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Brian McLaughlin about cardiac arrest and other life-threatening situations you might face in the classroom or on the range that require immediate first aid. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back, relax for this week's episode of the Fire and Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fire and Trainers Association, Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And for the listeners of this podcast, you can get 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Palm Pepper Spray. Palm has been an innovator in pepper spray technologies for several generations and continues to deliver the best formula in the best delivery system. Palm sells inert, water-filled units for instructors to utilize in training scenarios to help students understand the delivery system and train for those defensive scenarios. Palm is available in belt clip, keychain, and snap quick-release systems. Palm is the smallest half-ounce personal carry unit available on the market. Palm's flip-top dispensing system raises the standard for performance and safety with the strongest legal formula in 10 seconds of continuous spray or 20 half-second burst. Learn more and buy your unit at palmpepperspray.com. We bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Brian McLaughlin from Mountain Man Medical. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm glad to be here. Well, Brian, you've been on the show a couple different times. Uh, always have you back on talking about medical things. But for those that might not know your background, can you give us a little bit of your background? Yep, I am the director of medical training at Mountain Man Medical. I am the subject matter expert. Um, I've been over there for uh, about two and a half, going on three years now, I guess, uh, when we started the company. So it's all based on my experience. Um, I came from the military side where I was a corpsman uh, stationed with the Marine Corps as a medic and uh, I deployed to Afghanistan. Saw a decent amount of combat medicine and... Um, uh, varying degrees of uh, hospital medicine as well. And um, now I kind of travel around and teach trauma medicine. And I got a YouTube channel, Mountain Man Medical. <clears throat> you can find me on all the social medias. And uh, here to talk to you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time because uh, for anybody who hasn't seen uh, what had happened on January 1st in Cincinnati at the Bengals uh, Buffalo Bills game, uh, Damar Hamlin got hit in the chest or i should say he tackled um somebody and the hit ended up being his chest and went down in cardiac arrest and that sparked a big question in my mind and wanted you to come on because one of the things that we as instructors uh have to be ready for is something out of the uh, out of the ordinary um, many of the teammates for uh, Hamlin, you know, were expecting him just to jump back up on the on the uh, on his feet you know, limp off the field, maybe do something along those lines, maybe worst case, you know, they bring us, bring the uh, stretcher out to uh, take him back um, for some more uh, concussion protocol, something like that. But it ended up, they brought an ambulance onto the field and actually load him directly into the ambulance, which all brought me to those questions. How well we as instructors, are we prepared for unknown uh, type of accident to happen. And that's where having you on, uh, Brian, really will help out because somebody goes down and ha- 
I've got no idea. You know, there's nothing obvious, you know, until I get there. What, how do, how do I approach, approach a problem like that? Well, yeah, first and foremost is scene safety. Uh, you have to pay attention to what's going on in your in local environment. And is that dangerous to you? Um, if you see someone laying on the ground unconscious and you run up to them, um, maybe that person hit a power line, down power lines, there's a storm out and they got electrocuted. You run up to help them, don't see those power lines, and then you get electrocuted as well. You have just added to the problem. Um, so we want to make sure that our scene is safe. So fortunately, in a situation like this, a player went down on the field. Pretty safe. Pretty you know, obvious, yeah. Yeah, you might you might get stepped on by a big linebacker, but you know, for the most part, you're going to be pretty safe. So you can kind of run into that situation and handle it without too many worries. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that you want to do is check their pulse because you don't know why they're why they dropped. They might not have a pulse. And in this particular situation, a cardiac arrest, their heart isn't beating. So you can detect that by checking their carotid pulse for at least 10 seconds. Yeah, they're not talking, they're not doing anything. So, you know, yep. you've got to you've got to go you got to go for the signs that you can do. And the pulse is probably one of those critical signs. Exactly. And this is something that we can be doing multiple things at the same time. I could be checking his checking his pulse. I can be trying to talk to him and see if I can get a verbal response. And I can also be doing a sternal rub, which is a painful stimulus to see if they respond to that. So if they don't respond to my voice, but they do moan a little bit and try to pull away a little bit when I rub their sternum, then that's telling me that they, they are getting some oxygen and blood is moving at least a little bit. And that's a good sign. But if we don't have those types of indicators, we check their pulse for at least 10 seconds and we don't feel anything or we don't think we feel anything, then we mean make sure we're already activating EMS. We need an ambulance on location as quick as possible. They're going to be bringing more gear and they're going to be bringing medicine that they can do use to help get that person's heart started and beating again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the situation of NFL injury like uh, uh, Demar Hamlin was in, obviously I had all that on site. And it was only it only took you know a quick call on the radio for them to activate certain things. Us as instructors, we need to make sure that we know you know who to call. We need to know how to get them to our location, and a you know potentially knowing. You know, what is the quickest way to uh, do things? I mean, we if you're in a really rural area, they might have to be, be bringing in you know, an air transport, you know, along those lines uh, for it. Uh, and that's where, you know, knowing your population, knowing what you what the likelihood of. I mean, if it's an NFL game, you're going to have probably broken bones, you know, st uh, strained knees. Very seldom you have a cardiac arrest, but you still have to make that determination uh, very quickly. If you're teaching a class. And it's hot out, humid. Um, you know, you might have heat, heat exhaustion, uh, potential heart attack. If it's cold weather out, you know, you could potentially be having people again, could be heat exhaustion if they are too bundled up, or they could be having, you know, a reaction to the cold. And again, um, you know, knowing the signs for heart attack, stroke, um, these types of things. One of the big things I try to do all the time when I'm doing the rain safety briefing is ask people to tell you if they've got any pre-existing conditions, um, you know, such as, you know, allergies to bee stings for it. wintertime. You don't have to worry about it. summertime. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a bee that decides 
to uh, go along and sting somebody and they go down, you may not know it that they got stung on their ankle or something along those lines. And that's all, you know, knowing what it is, if you start seeing that they're having problems breathing, then you've got to go for, you know, epinephrine, you know, EpiPen uh, for, for that. And knowing that person has it on them or knows that it's in their range bag could be extremely important uh, along those lines for um, once, once we start uh, rolling EMS and they're coming and, you know, again, NFL, they were there, you know, in seconds because they were on site, but Knowing that, you know, in whatever location we're in, whether it's a range, a classroom, or we're just at, in a busy intersection where somebody, you know, had a bad a car accident, what's the next thing uh, should we do when we're not getting a response from any, anybody? Uh, well, we want to start with our rescue breathing. We've, we've got EMS in route and uh, we have the abilities. Uh, this is something that you should probably get some training in, right? Um they have a lot of uh, different companies. Uh, the Red Cross gives, you know, a first aid class for how to do CPR and uh, how to use an AED. I recommend everybody going through that. Um, but generally, broadly speaking, you want to start with your rescue breaths. And um, you can have a, a face shield for that to give, I think it's uh, two, uh, one rescue breath every six seconds or about 10 breaths a sec, uh, 10 breaths a minute. Um, and a lot of people will like to have like those little um, rescue masks that you can put into the casualty's mouth, but it'll protect you uh, from as like a barrier. And uh, <clears throat> that can be kind of a good thing as well, because especially if you're dealing with somebody with uh, any kind of a trauma or somebody who's doing compressions, you might get uh, that casualty will vomit. Actually, my, my dad tells this story about when he was a... Uh, a new firefighter, they were working on somebody doing chest compressions and uh, he was arriving from off scene. He comes on scene and uh, rolls up and everybody's kind of like standing around uh, and there's a, there's a dead person laying on the ground and there's a pile of puke at the feet and a pile of puke up there at the head. And uh, story goes that the, uh, they were given rescue breaths and uh, the casualty threw up into the, the firefighter's mouth. Mm. Oh yeah. And then the firefighter at the bottom saw it and threw up at the bottom of the feet. And it was just this big mess, right? Nowadays yeah. we have barriers. We've, we've got masks. Yep. Yeah. So I'd recommend people pick those up and use those. We sell uh, a version on, uh, on the Mount Man medical website. It's pretty cheap, uh, very inexpensive. Um, but you want to start with your rescue breaths and then making sure that you're checking the pulse, still no pulse, then that's when we start our chest compressions. And one of the, one of the things, and uh, I know after the after uh, Demar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest, and the next day there were national news reporters uh, shocked that he had chest injuries uh, mm -hmm. from it. You will crack people's ribs if you start doing CPR properly. Um, the older they are, the more they will crack. Uh, more more that they will sound like potato chips. But if you, you know, even a young 24 year old, um, safety, if you're doing them properly, you will probably more than likely, uh, crack a few ribs. And that's, that is the least of your worries when you're trying to go along and, you know, get somebody's heart beating again. That's very true. I've, I've felt that that is a weird feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But just keep that in mind. And if you, and if you feel it, keep going and doing it because the whole point of it is, 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 uh, 
you, you're trying to keep them alive until EMS gets there with their with their tools, and so they can be transported to a uh, trauma center for it. Um, Damar Hamlin was very lucky in that the ambulance was there and could load them in and then uh, get them to, to a level one trauma center within a couple minutes. And uh, again, can't reinforce the point uh, enough that if you're on a range or in a place to where you do not have a ambulance service that's going to be there within a couple minutes, uh, make sure that you have uh, things lined up properly to take care of that person, you know, for 10, 15 minutes, whatever the normal response time for it is, because it could take them a little while to travel the country roads to the range that you're on. It could take them a little bit for the uh, air flight to make it to your location. All those different kinds of uh, things that will complicate the issue. And you want to make sure you have a good plan. You know, if, it, if you got to turn down the first or the third dirt driveway and then the first uh, gate after you turn down it, make sure you get some people there that will guide the ambulance down. The worst feeling would be is seeing the ambulance drive right by the gate. And it's like, okay, now they got to turn around and come back and, and, you know, wait even longer before they can get there for it. And that's all part of your uh, range safety briefing for it. Yeah. Good preparation is the key to surviving an emergency. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that you never have to use it too. But if you do have to use it, um, you'll be very thankful for it. And here's one of the things to keep in mind, all the instructors out there, the person who needs the medical assistance might just be you. And with that, you don't want to have to be sitting there if somebody's, you know, giving you CPR in your chest, trying to tell them what phone number, or you won't be able to be able to tell them what phone number to call or where you're located at, those types of things. So make sure it's down. Make sure everybody that's in class knows uh, what to do, because you never know what kind of freaky accident might happen. Um, you know, that that one football play at the exact time, at the exact uh, location, get hit in the chest, it Everything was just exact, exact, exact. It's a one in a billion dollar chance of it happening. Well, it's no different than one in a billion. You finding the rare, um, you know, timber rattler out in the middle of uh, wherever you are. Nobody's seen one there for a hundred years, but it finds you and you're all of a sudden get bit by it or the bee sting that, you know, there's, you know, you're on concrete and where does it be from? Well, you find it or the worst one is you're driving down the street and all of a sudden you come across a accident and you know you you're going to spring into action try to and try to help those people all times we need to have a plan on what to do and how to bring medical help there rule number one is to have a plan rule number two is don't be the only one that knows the plan mm-hmm Yep. And spread it out. And also, if you're doing a class, you might have medical professionals in there that you can take and lean on, you know, their, their experience as a nurse, as a doctor, different things along those lines uh, for it. And that's always good. And if you've got assistant instructors, make sure they're getting, you know, additional medical training for it. Uh, Mountain Men Medical has a online course that they can take. Very nice. There's uh, tactical combat casual care courses that are out there. Um, last time you were at Brian, you talked about Mickey Shook's uh, S12 course that right. he does a very good uh, medical uh, training there too. And, and again, these are all things that will make you prepared for that freaky accident if it ever happens. Because if uh, enough people have watched that the tackle on TV, that all what you can say about it is it was a very you know freaky once in a lifetime, just at the exact time, all those. 
every the moon the stars everything aligned just at the right time for that to become the issue that it became but he's very lucky because you know uh, the stats are that you will probably die from a cardiac arrest like that like most people do uh, fortunately you know he was very lucky to be very young and very fit and you know his nutrition was on point so he was able to recover from that but usually if people suffer that type of an injury you don't i think the stats are like 30% if there's somebody that witnesses it and stand nearby with an AED kind of a thing, you know, so it's pretty rare. So you have to kind of put your population into uh, play here. Like, who are you working on? And also, like, that's part of the thing that you have to realize is being a medic is sometimes you work on people and they don't come back, you know, and, so, and it's easy for you to think, you know, I did something wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, you just don't come back from it. He's very lucky to have been able to uh, bounce back like he is. But the reason is, is because he's in such great shape. Hey, Doc, can you go along and explain the difference? Uh, you brought up the AED. When you have cardiac arrest, how's that differ from like a heart attack and the need for an AED? So a cardiac arrest is uh, usually kind of uh, interchange, used interchangeably with, uh, with a heart attack. Um, so the AED, once you put the pads on it, it measures the heart's rhythm and there could be a shockable rhythm and then there could not be a shockable rhythm. And one of the benefits of the AED is it's kind of um, stupid proof. You know, pretty often you're going to be in this emergency and rushing and scared and you'll not really know what to do, even though you've already taken this class. Um, so fortunately, the AED is kind of set up to compensate for that. And so the instructions are very easy to follow and very simple. So all you got to do is if you are worried that this person um, is um, suffering from a cardiac arrest, you don't feel a pulse, they're unresponsive to you, then you start your CPR and call for the AED. Once that shows up, then you start applying your pads. And then once you turn on the AED, it'll tell you whether or not it recommends that it will shock the casualty. So if they've got a good heartbeat and they don't really need this AED, no big deal. Just, you know, you don't push the button and it won't let you. Um, But fortunately, you've got that already hooked up and you know that this isn't what's going to help the situation. And EMS is already on location, hopefully by that point to take over. What's uh, some good brands for AEDs and working instructors purchase those at? Uh, to be honest, I'm not an expert on that. Um, I would recommend the American Heart Association. Um, they've got great resources. Also, um, the Red Cross, they tend to lean a lot more heavily in that type of a field than I do. Um, I focus a lot more on uh, the bleeding control. Um, but I hear um, a lot of um, or a lot of the 80s that I see tend to come from those types of locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, instructors, it's a brand new year and such. Uh, maybe this is something, you know, you, you think about investing a little bit of money into, not that you're going to need it next time you go to the range, but from the standpoint of if you need it, you will have it versus going along and saying, I wish um, if something did did happen for it, because uh can't say enough, um, being a Cincinnati resident myself and seeing that hit and everything, it was just the strangest most shocking alignment of the stars to cause that to happen that really makes you think okay what do you what do i need to do to be prepared if something 
not exactly like that because it probably will never happen again exactly like that but if something else would happen um you know how would i be prepared for it and that's where you know i carry an ifac i carry um, a lot of different medical gear with me and quite frankly i'm going to be looking into an aed because not that i need it but because i might need it one of these days i think it's one of those things that i think it shows a level of preparedness and professionalism personally i know it's becoming more trendy a lot more of the uh instructors that i'm running into especially the higher level instructors are running these aeds you know um especially these ones that have the population of you know the um, elderly students who aren't aren't physically fit aren't capable of going out and they're running and gunning and then they go down from some sort of cardiac um a situation that they maybe didn't even know about or even the, that case. So I think it's becoming a lot more trendy for um, instructors to have these uh, AEDs on location or at the very least in their vehicle, um, because I think it shows, you know, a level of preparedness in that you understand the people, you understand your students and the potential hazards of your job and you're prepared for it at all costs. So I think it's potentially valuable that way. Mm-hmm. And again, the one thing, uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger, as I said, I could potentially use it or need to have it used on me if uh, something uh, would happen. So bring that up and, you know, consider it. Uh, not everybody needs one. If you're, if you work in a range and they already have them, you probably don't need them. But at the same time, maybe it's something that would be good for you to have or invest in or maybe save up for one down the road. Well, Doc. A lot of good information there um, for those kind of sudden traumatic injuries that we might be running into. Uh, we've got a question we'd like to ask you, and that is, can you recommend an annual training event that you think instructors should go check out to improve themselves and you know become a better instructor? Yeah, I do, actually. So I would recommend to go to the Guardian Conference. This is uh, one that is put on by Concealed Carry. It is. Um, we, we put it on two years in a row now. We're going on our third year. And uh, I really enjoy it because of uh, the uh, the crew that we have that goes out there. Uh, Concealed Carry's got a uh, really great team that works very hard to put on a good show. Um, and we have a great collection of highly skilled masters of combat that come out to teach classes. And uh, one of my favorite things is, is that when I'm not teaching a class, I get to take whatever class that I want to. And uh, I just get to kind of dip my toes into uh, some of the different areas um, and learn from some people and learn how they do things. And I really love that. Um, So it's a great uh, way to come out and meet some people who are very like-minded, trying to get better at their craft and want to be better defenders. And uh, I put on a a class I call gunfighter medicine. Um, I really enjoy that. It's a a chance for me to kind of get a little deeper into uh, my bread and butter, which is uh, the combat trauma medicine which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And the one thing about the guardian conference too, that is very nice about it is you get to shoot. You got medical classes that Brian puts on. You also go along and have legal classes that, you know, national experts like Andrew Bronca, um, Gary Eastridge, they put, they put on, uh, you've got a lot of, uh, opportunities there to not just shoot, you know, for three days, but also go along and take those three days to improve yourself, to sharpen your skills, and also ask your question, ask a question yourself, what would I do in a situation like that? You know, if there was a traumatic injury, 
and you could be in that medical class and understand what would I do if that happened and listen to how it might unfold from a legal standpoint. You can ask a question, what would I do? You know, if I had to draw my firearm and defend myself and build practice that on the range, you know, there's not too many places that you can go along and actually do that. So I, uh, I like that too. Good, good choice there, Brian. Well, Brian, where can people find more out about you, the classes you're teaching the mountain man medical? Uh, you, first and foremost, you can head over to mountainmanmedical.com. Uh, we've got our uh, trauma kits that we sell over there. And uh, we also have a free online trauma course called Emergency Trauma Response. Totally free. Teaches you how to use all the stuff in the trauma kits. And um, we also have a, a training schedule and some various uh, things that we're going to be attending, various conferences. Um, we're heading out to SHOT Show here soon. Looking forward to that. We go every year. This year, we've got a booth, so we're pretty excited. We're going to have some stuff set up. So if you're a vendor um, or you, uh, you just want to come by and say hi, come by and say hi. Um, and then uh, we just got a various other things that you can check out there at mountainmanmedical.com. And also got my YouTube channel, Mountain Man Medical YouTube. And that, that, those are the Sounds good. Well, Brian, as always, we appreciate your medical advice, your insight into being able to do things. And just like, uh, you know, we sa said, when it comes to medical, we hope we never have to use it, but thank you for giving us the information for the, uh, so that we're educated and informed for when we do have to use it. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found it enlightening about some of the medical emergencies that you might face while being a fire instructor and maybe share it with a friend that might be able to help them too. Do you have a topic that I should talk about on the podcast or know somebody I should talk to on the podcast? Maybe that person might even be you. Well, email me your suggestions at FTP at concealedcarry.com. If you have comments on our podcast, feel free to leave those on our Facebook page or on our website firemtrainerpodcast.com. Also on our website, you can go along and search previous episodes to find different topics that you might be interested in. I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help people find us and know the value that you see in our content. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fire and Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. You establish your business as their first step. You got certified as your next step. Your next step should be going along getting FTA coverage to cover you and your students. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We're bringing this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.